you know, this is my one crystal ball prediction. Over the next five, 10 years, it's gonna become commonplace to have a robot coworker. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hello, guten tag, and welcome to episode 102. Today, we're having a conversation in Berlin, Germany, about robot operations, robops. Our guest this week is Florian Pistoni, the co-founder and CEO of InOrbit. Now, this episode is special for a couple of reasons. First, it's recorded in Berlin. Now, I've gone on record before saying that Berlin is my favorite city in the whole world. I've never claimed this on this podcast before, but as of one sentence ago, well, now technically I have. Now, I haven't been back there for 12 years up until recently, but from the second I sat down with a beer and a currywurst at a small hole in the wall on a bustling street, my sentiment toward this city came rushing back in an instant. From grungy corner bars to its world-renowned nightlife, plus the ever-present dichotomy of a city that was very different just over 30 years ago, there is nowhere else like it. Unlike Austin or Portland, it never had to say, keep Berlin weird. Berlin is just Berlin, and I love it. Now, the second reason, and really the main reason that this episode is special, is that Florian Pistoni is jumping on the show. I mentioned before he's the co-founder and CEO of InOrbit, a Silicon Valley-based startup that helps companies managing fleets of robots streamline their robotic operations. Now, Florian is not from Berlin, but we just happened to learn that we were both going to be traveling there at the same time, so we decided to meet up. And since we finally made it through the start of this very elaborate intro, here are three things you can expect from this episode. First, we're going to get to hear Florian's story, how he got into robotics, into startups, and how he unintentionally found himself as the co-founder of his current company. Second, we talk about chronic care for robots. Florian will tell us what InOrbit does through a couple examples, plus we'll discuss the concept of robops relative to DevOps. Third and finally, hey, this is a travel episode. We're going to talk about the bar, we're going to talk about Berlin, and we're going to discuss what we've learned from our respective journeys. As always, if you want to learn more, you can go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 102. And I want to apologize in advance for some of the audio issues you might hear in this episode. This is 100% on me as I was trying out a new super lightweight travel rig for recording this episode. I didn't have the sound levels correct, but beyond that, there was rain, people talking, sirens. Oh my freaking goodness, the sirens. You are in for a treat later on. You know, it's a wonderful, casual yet constructive conversation. So I think you'll enjoy it, but I apologize in advance if you're nostalgic for the typical studio quality audio that we have on this show. Stick with it. If you can get past the first five minutes, things kind of clear up, or at least the rain does. Anyway, if you want to take part in conversations like this, maybe over beers in Berlin or maybe at a bar here in the U.S. somewhere or just online on LinkedIn, well, hey, you should join the Manufacturing Happy Hour LinkedIn community. You can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com community. It'll take you straight to our LinkedIn page. And there you can connect with over 500 manufacturing leaders that are always trying to elevate one another, their business 
businesses and the industry as a whole. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. And with that, it's time to meet up with Florian Pistoni. And, you know, just pretend you're listening to this episode on a rainy day. Cue the background noise and cue the episode. Well, now that we're rolling, hey, first on camera, cheers. Hey, cheers. Good to have you here, Florian. So good to be here in Berlin with you, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Of all places, neither of you and I are, are, are from here. We just happen to be here at the same time. And normally, I start these episodes by saying, hey, if we were grabbing a drink in person, like, where would we be doing that? But let's paint the picture. Where are we hanging out? Like, describe just the setting, and I can share a little bit more about it. So this is a pretty hardcore beer garden. Yeah. Right? And the lights just went out, so yep. there's this like nature <laughs> storm going on. It's very, it's very Berlin in that regard. Yeah, we are in this double-decker bus. Mm-hmm. So in the back, you may hear a little bit of rain. It's pouring right now. Uh, but there's like a really cool vibe, very Berlin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's called, for anyone listening out there, it's called uh, Republic Berlin. It's a beer garden, kind of a funky beer garden, not like your typical... Bavarian German beer garden. Very different. But uh, yeah, it's a unique experience, appropriately Berlin. And you know, you were ju- you were here for a, a startup event, correct? Like, I- I'm curious. Give me some of your impressions on what like. And there are sirens in the background. This is like the ultimate live podcasting experience for Berlin. But I'm interested to hear like your impressions on the startup scene here in Berlin, just after being here for a couple days. Look, entrepreneurship. I'm from Silicon Valley, right? Yep. So. You walk a you know a mile and you cross like a five thousand startups. Being an entrepreneur in Europe isn't as easy. Yeah. You know, there's an expectation that you're going to work for an established company. If there's a place that doesn't follow convention in Europe, it's Berlin. Yeah. So there's a lot of like really cool companies here that you know define the norms and, yeah. and really just going for it. This event that I was in was a little bit interesting because it was organized by SAP. Yeah. Now, uh, and SAP is a huge established company, one of the mm-hmm. top 20 tech companies in the mm-hmm. world. But they were a startup once a really, really long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the founders, you know, were at IBM, they left and they started mm-hmm. their own thing. So I think institutionally, they still remember that. So they're doing things to enable an ecosystem. They have a program for you know, entrepreneurs in Berlin. Uh, and the really cool thing is they've opened it up for companies and, you know, from around the world. And, and, and I want to get to know, you know, your company as well and your story. So I'm going to kick it off with the typical question I ask any guest is, hey, how do you describe in orbit as if you're having a beer with someone, right? Like we literally are right now. So let me start with why we exist okay so the way i would say it is we try to maximize the potential of every robot out there so we don't make the robots we just make the robots work better Um, now the way we do it is we're an infrastructure company we make software for the robots to communicate Mm -hmm. through the cloud and it gets really technical from there but at a high level if you buy a robot for your Mm -hmm. warehouse you want to really maximize the efficiency, the utilization, mm-hmm. and you need data for that. And yeah. we are that data layer. Got it. And we'll we'll dive into that a bit more. 
But I'm interested to hear how you got into robotics as well, because we were talking about it at the start of this conversation before we started recording. I didn't really know where you were from until today. I'm like, well, Florian, I know, you know, that's a common German name and things yeah. like that, but you're from Argentina originally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how that, you know, how you got into, you know, let, let's say this, what did you want to do growing up, right? Before you got into the tech and robotics space and, and ultimately made a move to Silicon Valley. So when I was a child, what I wanted to do is do a podcast in Berlin. Mm -hmm. Okay. With yeah. the coolest podcast. dreams have come yes. true so, today. So now it's like, <laughs> no, seriously, um, I was, you know, I was your typical nerd, kind of like interested in like how things work. So um, I ended up studying, um, you know, electrical engineering, got my master's in double E, uh, and then fell in love with software. So I never okay. actually did double E. Um, and I was like a cloud guy for a really long time. I went from being an engineer to being a product manager. Yeah. And just to answer the question on like how I got into robotics, it's completely my co-founder's fault. Okay. So he's the robotics expert on the team. Um, yeah. he was, you know, the space. So he was at Willow Garage mm -hmm. back in the day where a lot of the current technology Mm -hmm. is, you know, emerged from... And, and Willow Garage, go, for those that might not be yeah, familiar yeah, yeah, with yeah. that, what is that? So, something really interesting happened, you know, maybe about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, Scott Hassan, who was one of the super early investors in Google, and, you know, did quite well for himself mm -hmm. as, that, as part of that, powers back. <laughs> um, he said, robots are cool. Yeah there should be more robot research. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fund it. Yeah. So he started Willow Garage as a, you know, kind of like a research group that really made um, autonomous robots possible. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people may be familiar with the robot operating system, ROS. Mm -hmm. Well, that mm -hmm. came from Willow. Yep. Uh, Willow worked on a research robot called PR2, which one of the things it could do is it could fetch you a beer, mm -hmm. which is kind of like the canonical use case in robotics, yeah, right? If you exactly. ask someone, yeah. what if you could design a robot, what do you, what do you have it do? It's like, it should fetch me a beer. So, uh, so they could do that. But it was like really kind of like crazy scientists. And then eventually it kind of like, it came to its end. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of accomplished a lot of what it set out to do. Yeah. And then people went off to start a lot of robotics companies. So, mm -hmm. you know, Melanie Weiss, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, founder of Fetch, mm -hmm. uh, acquired by Zebra recently. We've had a lot of Bay Area robotics companies on this show recently. The yep. listeners are probably getting pretty familiar with that, that part of the country. So Melanie just, you know, won the Engelbert Award. Mm -hmm. So she's a rock star. She was at Willow. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people uh, who started at Willow then went on to start uh, great robotics companies. Yeah. yeah. My co-founder, Julian Sarudi, mm -hmm. was part of that crowd. He stayed connected. And then he realized that there were all these like really awesome robots mm -hmm. that were being created. But the infrastructure, once they, the robots left the lab and went mm -hmm. into the real world, mm -hmm. the infrastructure just wasn't there. Everyone yeah. was like... You know, it's a side project for most mm -hmm. people. So we made it our mission to build 
things to make robots awesome in the real world. Yeah. No, that's that's excellent. And I'm I'm curious, you know, what made you make the jump then from what you were doing, right? You had a software background, you had a cloud background. When did you finally say, I'm going to start in orbit? What was the catalyst, if you will? I want to say I'm um, an accidental co-founder okay. of an orbit. Uh, it's not like I stumbled, but it's not what I was, uh, you know, what I had set mm -hmm. out to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked at, you know, the well-known brands like Facebook and Microsoft and companies yeah. like that. But I've also done, you know, I've dabbled in startups as well. I started companies and um, and I worked for startups as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a funny story. So go for it. A previous company that I started was a digital health startup. Mm -hmm. So this was about helping people manage uh, chronic conditions. Right? Okay. And it was it was really more a labor of love than a business. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad went through some like really bad health issues, and when he passed away, I'm like, other people shouldn't have to go through this shit. So I started this company with with some doctors who were like really awesome, but were not entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. You know, long story short, shut it down. Sure. Um, and then I'm talking to to Julian, who's yeah. been a friend of mine for like 20 years. I have to ask right. him. So what did you learn from that experience then before you went on to the next? Okay, the number one lesson for me is know and trust your co-founder. And like I said, I've known Julian for 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. It works really well because to me, I wasn't looking to start a company. Yeah. And Julian was like, sniffing around mm -hmm. uh, you know I, I knew he had an interesting problem yeah but i literally knew nothing about robots so i was like okay i'm a product person i can give you some mm -hmm. hints but that's it yeah and then i don't know if he planned this or if it just happened but he'd be like you know okay so great how would i price this and how would i approach this mm -hmm. and he kept like reeling me in yeah right? and i got but I was still like on a like a totally different uh, idea. You were kind of a like on the side consultant for him. He was just priming you. I was helping a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally helping a friend. Yeah. Right. It wasn't even consulting. And then there was this weird moment when I realized that what we needed is a platform for chronic care for robots. Okay. So it was almost like the same thing. Yeah. But now it was the health of the robots. Got it. And I don't know, I mean, <laughs> my mind works that way, so... Uh, I've never had this many sirens go off, like having a conversation at a bar with anyone. <laughs> All right, and, you know, the sirens here are yeah. very different from the sirens in the U.S. I was say, they make their presence known. I hope I can keep them in. Like, that would be ideal, just so it, like, adds I the live experience. Okay, people, people from Europe will ha hate me for saying this, but yeah. the sirens here sound like the minions. Mm. When the minions make the siren noise, minions it's the from European the, the crew the, movies. Yeah, yeah there exactly. we go. I love anyway. the reference. That's beautiful. All right, since this is my podcast and this has been kind of a circus anyway, we're going to sneak this in here. Here is what those minion sirens actually sound like. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, good luck listening to any of these sirens that pop up in this episode the same way ever again. All right, back to the episode. 
I'm not going to be able to think about the sirens here the same way. Exactly, anymore. right? So think of a minion driving the ambulance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, anyway. it makes perfect sense. All right. Well, that was there totally you go. random. No, Sorry. it was great. That's why we do these lives, so we can have instances like that and comparisons to uh, pop culture, as I like to say. So you were, you know, you, you moved from, like, from a, a, a more traditional, like, health-focused startup to doing care for robots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of fell in love with the notion of robots uh, in the real world. Yeah. And I think that's maybe one distinction that I would make is, yeah. I think a lot of people, when you say robot, think of a robot, other than C-3PO and like pop culture, um, you probably think of like a robot in, I don't know, one in Germany, yeah. at a BMW factory, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, those huge robots that weld things to the car or whatever. Um, we actually don't work with that. There's okay. this new, completely new generation of robots that are, mm -hmm. you know, I call them smart robots. Sure. Do so, AMRs fall into that? Category? Absolutely, 100% okay. AMRs. I assume, I assume so. so. That's yeah, what so we met. We met at an AMR conference. Exactly. Think about it. <laughs> so, so robots that use sensors like gliders and cameras and so on, mm -hmm. they use AI. So they actually kind of know where they are. Yeah. Compared to, you know, a factory robot that mm -hmm. is just following the same movements over and over. Mm -hmm. So it's a very different, I mean, they both are useful for what they do. But to me, what was intriguing yeah. about the space is here are these robots that are going into the real world mm -hmm. alongside people. Yeah. In a factory, I, I don't know if people know this, but uh, if you get a chance to tour a car factory, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. the big robots are in cages. Mm -hmm. And I like what most people think. It's not to keep the robots from running away because sure. they can't. It's to keep them from hurting people. Safety. Right. And uh, now we because they don't know you're there. Yeah. And now we live in a world where robots are running around. I know. So to me, it's like, instead of you going to where the robots live, which mm -hmm. is the factory, yep. the robots are coming to where you live yeah. and where you work. Yeah. And I think that over, you know, this is my one crystal mm -hmm. ball prediction. Mm -hmm. Over the next five, 10 years, yeah. it's going to become commonplace to have a robot coworker. Yeah. It's just not going to look like a person, right? It's going to look pretty boring. People already have robot coworkers. Like exactly. we're 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 in the present now. Like I I have to ask you. So what does care for a robot look like then? Like describe maybe paint that picture as well. Yeah. So so look, robots are awesome, but they're far from perfect. If you get an autonomous robot to be autonomous, let's say ninety percent of the time, you're doing really really well. And that's because the world is crazy, hard, and random. So we've worked with customers that operate in retail stores while there's people around. You know, just visualize walking down the halls of a, of a grocery store with your cart. There's ketchup stains on the floor. There's things that have fallen over. There's kids running around. There's people, you know, bumping into things. So now yeah, think it's of- chaos. It's chaos. And now you're a robot. Robots work really well when it's everything is structured and organized. So the intersection of those two worlds makes for like really interesting, interesting situations. So, you know, a mobile uh, autonomous mobile robot may get stuck, you know, on its way to complete a mission. So let's say you have 
Let's say you have a robot that's doing restocking of ice cream. Okay. All right? So it's loaded with, you know, a box full of your favorite type of ice cream. What, what is it, Chris? What, um, what's your I like M&M Concretes from Ted Drew's in St. Louis, Missouri. It's like a frozen custard. So let's say it's an M&M ice cream. I have no idea what you just said. I, I, went, I, I went very specific. Yes. Yeah, I went back, uh, back to my hometown where I'm from and picked okay. my favorite ice cream of all time. All right. So imagine, you know, a crate full of that. Yeah. And the robot has to go from the back of the store to the mm-hmm. freezer area. Along the way, something happens. Okay. Little kid bumps it over. Sure. Now the robot is like, oh, I'm not sure where I am. So I can't move around if I'm not sure where I am, right? And it just sits there for three hours. What happened to the M&M concrete something, something, something Exactly. Yes, you remembered a lot of that. I'm impressed. <laughs> so what we can do yeah. is we can turn that from three hours to three seconds. We can find out that the problem happened. We can notify someone. We can help them resolve the problem remotely. And we can get the robot back on mission. Love it. I think we can picture plenty of examples, right? Because we're, we're doing an ice cream example, but whether you're making aluminum cans, whether you're manufacturing cars, right? Like any type of scenario where things don't go according as planned, basically you're getting alerted right when it happens versus right when you notice it in the physical world is what you're saying. So just to get super geeky right now for a second. So we use a lot of terms from Mm -hmm. what's called DevOps. Okay. So DevOps in, you know, software world, in the cloud world is, you know, development and operations, you put them together. Mm -hmm. So in the old days you had developers finish yeah. their software, toss it over to somebody else, and it's like, now it's your problem. Yeah. That doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. You know? So the way, the, the reason we have Google and things like that is through uh, the best practices of DevOps. We're bringing that to robotics, ah. right? And we call that RoboOps. RoboOps, yes. R O B Ops. Exactly. Hashtag. Yeah. That'll be included for anyone that wants to share this on social media. That'll be out there for, uh, for um, the folks listening. So, one of the key ideas is how do you measure things? So, there's a notion of something called the mean time to resolution, right? So, there's two metrics mean time to detection, mean time to resolution. And they're not mean as in like they're evil. It's mm-hmm. like the average, right? Yeah. So how long does it take to find out about a problem on average? How long does it take to resolve the problem on mm-hmm. average? So when there's you know, a, a, a data center problem, like mm-hmm. one server goes down, it's milliseconds. And then there's another server that comes up. How do you do that with robots? You yeah. can't like just like randomly in milliseconds spin up a new robot. So yeah. But what we can do is we can reduce the time that it takes to find a problem and then make it super fast to fix the problem. Now, some problems, like the wheel came off, you need to send a tech. A lot of other problems you can solve really quickly. Sure. So that's Remotely. one side, yeah. right? That, that, that's the, the solving a problem. What you want is to not have as many problems. And that's, for that, you need data. So mm-hmm. if you're a robot developer, you need data out of your robots back to your R&D team in a way that they can actually learn from it. Small problem, robots generate terabytes of data per hour, okay? And usually they have like a wimpy connection, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe they have an Mm -hmm. LTE 
Lots of data, bad connection. Not a good combination. Mm -hmm. So part of our secret sauce mm -hmm. is how can we extract from mm -hmm. this ocean of data the droplets that are actually useful, you know, the insights that will help a developer make the robots better. Well, I've enjoyed going into detail on this since we are doing this live, since we are doing it away from home for both of us in the middle of Europe. I've got to ask you, you know, what have you learned while traveling? It's helped you with your business. As I like well. it. We're, we're both we're both on the road right now. I'm curious to we'll finish on a light note here as we as we wrap. The I conversation. love it. You know, we were talking about um, robots everywhere, and you said something like it's already here. It's it's the present. Yeah. It's not some distant yep. future. So I said I was at Automatica, which mm -hmm. is a big trade show for robotics in Munich, and then I took some time off after that. For the record first like actual real vacation in five years wow so if you like vacations don't be a founder <laughs> just, just pro tip yeah um <laughs> but i took some time off and i actually drove from munich into the black forest oh cool and we stayed in this like tiny town you know maybe 50 houses right beautiful place i mean really immaculate right there's a golf course which is okay. you know i didn't expect that in the middle of the forest and there's robot lawnmowers on the golf course. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. And I don't know, I think I think to me that was a an interesting sign of the times. Yeah. If you will. I have an unfair advantage because I'm a podcaster, but this is the second time in two months I've heard about robotic lawnmowers, actually. I'm glad to hear you're seeing them used in a practical application, right? You didn't just hear about it on a podcast from someone that started a robotic lawnmower right, company. Right, right. You were actually out there in the Black Forest in Germany, which sounds great, by the way. Like, I'm happy to be here in Berlin right now, but that would also be excellent. No, ex excellent example of that. So that's, so it's, I don't know, I feel like observing things like that is kind of my same story. I was just in Copenhagen, actually, yeah. and they have Copenhill which is a trash incineration facility. It's beautifully designed. It's actually a very nice looking facility. It provides 80% of Copenhagen's heat in the winter. And it also doubles as a, a all season ski hill that you can ski down on the hill. It's very hard to picture until you see it. And then it makes total did sense. Did you ski down trash hill? I did, sorry, I, did, <laughs> I did not ski down trash hill, but when I go back to Copenhagen, which I definitely will do, that's absolutely on the list. Okay, this is, you know, a little too specific, but when you were in Copenhagen, mm -hmm. did you get a chance to go to Odensen? Odensen. Oh, that's the island, one island over, one right? Where the robotics hub of the, like, Europe seems to be it right now. It is incredible. Yeah. It is incredible. The startups there, mm -hmm. I, I met some of the, the companies there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, chapeau. Because sure. it's like they're amazing. They get a lot done, yeah, with a lot less. Since I was on vacation, this is actually the only like work-related activity okay, I'm it. doing got right it. now. But for the listeners out there, they are going to be hearing a lot about Scandinavian robotic startups very soon, and specifically Denmark uh, startups, because we've got a lot of interviews coming up with those groups. Because 
You're right. There is a lot going on there right now. So, Chris, I think you just said that I broke your vacation because you're doing <laughs> no, 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 a work no, no, thing in the no, middle. No, 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 no. I just, you know, you you said it, right? I'm taking a vacation in five years. Recreation is important, right? You got to recharge those batteries. So, in addition to providing manufacturing and robotics lessons, we're providing. I don't know, what is it, work-life balance lessons, yeah, so exactly. to speak, here on the show? There so, we go. Um, well, as we start to wrap up, I got to ask, is there anything you wish I would have asked that I didn't during That's this That's an interview? awesome question. Um, how about where the world is going yeah. with robotics? Okay, I was going to say, I was very general at first, right? Where the world is going in robotics. We, we, I ask that question a lot. I'm interested to get your take on that. Again, I think we're going we're gonna to see specialized robots gonna look pretty boring they're not gonna look like you know in the movies they're gonna look like a lawnmower normal mundane tasks. Yeah. yeah so i mean i get a lot of this like you know it's gonna look like a human yeah but like would you want a, a robot to lean over and cut the grass with you know like no yeah. you want something designed for for that sure. purpose um so we're gonna see lots of different types of robots and lots of robots everywhere. They're gonna be part of our daily life. And I think we're going to accept them into our lives mm -hmm. and a lot of the you know, preconceptions and fears that people have will kind of melt away. And you know, as evidence of this, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll share a, my own pandemic story. Okay. So I live in, in Mountain View. Mm -hmm. This is you know, the heart of Silicon Valley. Yep. This is where Google is headquartered. Mm -hmm. When the pandemic hit, there's a like a little uh, mom and pop shop, like a grocery store, mm -hmm. you know, three blocks from my house. That's, you know, we know the owners yeah. and we were worried, you know, mm -hmm. because a lot of these like smaller, uh, mm -hmm. smaller businesses suffered. Within two weeks, they started doing robot based delivery. All right. On the streets. Yeah. Right. And there's a bunch of, you know, startups that are doing that and mm -hmm. growing. To me, what was awesome is when they first came out, like I had an unfair advantage and like, I knew all these companies. Yeah. But regular people were like, oh my God, a robot. Mm -hmm. And they were taking pictures. Mm -hmm. How long do you think that that lasted? I don't know, probably within a week or two, they were used to it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, you know, Silicon Valley, you see a lot of crazy things. And yeah, maybe, exactly. You, you, maybe it's like, <laughs> People are more uh, more used to tech. Sure, sure. But I think you know people just accept the technology. Yeah. And I think that's that's where we're going. Yeah. No, I I hear you. I agree. I think anyone listening to this show is starting to see that. They're certainly hearing it on a weekly basis as well. You know, it's been great talking about your story, yeah. travel, robotics. For anyone out there listening, show notes page manufacturinghappyhour.com. It's where you can connect with Florian on LinkedIn. That's where you can go to inorbit.ai that's a direct link to their website as well and i gotta say hey it was great meeting up with, uh, in berlin but we gotta go eat some german food coming up let's do it so cheers thanks for coming everyone out there thanks for tuning in Hey, what's up? You made it. You made it through the audio issues, but you also made it through that incredible conversation. Just want to thank you, the listener, as well as Florian for jumping on today's show. Also, I hope you enjoyed that little minion slot in the middle of the episode. I know that probably wasn't expected, but uh, maybe I'll sneak those Easter eggs in in the future. 
Anyway, if you want to learn more, if you want to connect with Florian, if you want to access any of the resources we mentioned in this episode or the bar, Republic Berlin, where we were hanging out, you can do that over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 102. Before we wrap up, I want to give a shout out to A3, the Association for Advancing Automation, for ultimately getting me hooked up with Florian, right? Florian and I have hung out at a couple conferences over the past year, and we finally had an opportunity to do an episode together. So, hey, A3, thanks for hooking that up. And by the way, you know we're always doing events with those guys. They've got their vision show and their autonomous mobile robot show coming up in October 2022 in Boston on October 10th through 13th. So if you're listening, go check that out. Or as always, you can see any of the events that this group is constantly hosting by going to automate.org. One more thing, if you want to join a community of like-minded folks that are constantly having conversations about elevating careers, elevating the manufacturing industry, well, hey, we would love to have you in the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community on LinkedIn. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. It'll take you straight to our page. Make sure to connect with me. Shoot me a note. Just give me some context. Say you heard about the group on the podcast from there. We'll let you right in. And with that, that's it for this week. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. We'll catch you again real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.